Today on Locked On Red Wings, Scotty and I hand out our player awards. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily JAWWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today we're going to take a break from doing player grades, but kind of do something in a similar vein. Uh, Scotty and I talked a bit ago about maybe doing some player awards, and we decided that would be fun to bring you. Now, Scotty and I are not going to have a consensus on this. Um, we're going to have our each individual winners because we might, well, we might, we <laughs> might, we don't, I don't know Scotty's and he doesn't know mine. And if we have differing award winners, I mean, Hey, that's good conversation starter now, isn't it? Scotty, it is, that's, it that's is good radio podcasting, whatever as, the, as they say in the biz. Yeah. 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 So uh, we don't know each other's answers, but, Scotty, we have five awards to give out, and they're not like stock standard best forward, best defenseman, best goalies, but they're like not super out there either. Um, I guess, should we start with the big award or should we work our way towards that? I I think we can kick it off with like our MVP, quote unquote, just because I don't think – there's, There's going to be too much uh, disparity there, and then we can get into the rest where, like, you know, there might actually be some some differing opinions. Yeah, so we're going to call this one our Difference Maker Award. And like you said, Scotty, it's essentially our MVP. It's the guy on the team who made the biggest impact. The, the season, I mean, they missed the playoffs, but this team wouldn't have been as good as it was, in air quotes, whatever you kind. but they would have been a lot much worse without this player. This player held this team together and was the reason why they were as close down the stretch as they were to making a playoff appearance their first since 2016. Scotty, I'm going to throw it to you first, although I'm pretty sure we both have the same guy here. <laughs> Who is the Detroit Red Wings difference maker in the 2022-2023 season? Yeah, the, I mean, this is not only is it Dylan Larkin this year, but it's been Dylan Larkin for five years now. I mean, and it, it's not even like he's been putting up this – you know, about a point a game pace for the last four or five years. But, um, he, I mean, yeah, he, he's been the best player on this team for a while, and this year was no different. And getting the extension done, he's the captain of the team. Uh, career year uh, across the board, either tying or surpassing career highs in pretty much everything. And, yeah, th this season would have been considerably different without Dylan Larkin on this team. I think it's, that's pretty safe to say for a team that, uh, you know, was was one of the, what, four, five best? Well, that's the very counterintuitive to say, but they were, what, the fourth or fifth highest ranked team to miss the postseason? Like, without Larkin, I mean, you're you're talking about a team that uh, is probably in the, uh, not like the depths of the Ducks or anything in the Bedard watch, but probably is closer to around that bottom five to seven range of uh draft odds so yeah that's pretty comfortably larkin for me yeah i mean there's not really much of a debate here when it comes to your team difference maker slash mvp whatever you want to refer to it as and dylan larkin like you said 
Uh, he tied a career high in goals. He tied a career high in assists, but those combined for a new career high in points, 79 points in 80 games played for Dylan Larkin this season. He led your team in five on five points at 32. He led your team on power play goals with 16, 16 of his goals came on the power play this season, which is incredible. Yeah. He just did it all for the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know, while when we did the player grades, we gave, we gave him an A, so which was deservedly so, uh, you know, you can nitpick things you might want to see get better. This team is substantially worse without Dylan Larkin on this hockey team. And as your captain, I think that you, you can't ask for much more out of him. I mean, you can, you should be asking for more out of him, but for this season, I think he brought you exactly what you expected and, and team MVP mean, I don't think there's anyone that even sniffs the realm at which he was at this season. Not to say he's like a S tier type player, but he was by far the best player on this hockey team. So he's your difference maker without a doubt uh, this yeah. year, more than any year, there wasn't really much of a debate. Yeah, no, I, if you were to go down the line and, uh, ask about the impact removing each individual player would have, right, and go down the line of how much worse the Red Wings would be without every player on this roster. Uh, I, I don't think anyone even really holds a candle to the uh, how, how much worse this hockey team would have been without Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I mean, in a couple of years, I think you can make the case with Moritz Sider. I think For Moritz sure. Sider is going to be the, is the player I mean, on hope. the team. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd be, I, I mean – you hope, but you have a lot of reason to hope. You know, it's yeah, no, I mean, like, he already now he's probably second or third on that list. Absolutely, yeah. and I think in a couple of years he can be, you know, tie or maybe surpass Dylan Larkin for number Agreed. one. But this Agreed. season, it's definitely Dylan Larkin. Uh, from there, Scotty, who do you want to go to next? You want to do best newcomer? Sure. Let's do best newcomer. I think uh, that's so, a fun one because it it not only incorporates you know like people they acquired via trade or, or whatever, but it also groups in like rookies or call-ups or whatever. That's kind of a, a wide net there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be, as you said, it's going to be anyone they acquired this off season or called up throughout the season. So that would include guys like technically Marco Casper, Simon Edvinson, Jonathan Berggren. Um, you can, including Alex Chison, Matt Luff, Zarnick, guys who were called up the filler. So Best newcomer, Scotty. I'm going to go first with this one because you went first yeah. with Difference Maker. I'm giving this one, and I don't know how much. I think there's a couple of really good options for this one, but I'm going David Perron. Um, David Perron, and I almost did Dominic Kubelik because he gave you so much more value than you were expecting as a whole on the season. I know we talked about the two halves of the season for Dominic Kubelik, but as a whole, he gave you 45 points. But in the end, David Perron gave you exactly what you signed him to do, which was second on the team in points this season um, on pace with his career totals. He gave you 56 points this year, 24 goals, 32 assists. And he actually surprisingly for a guy who you signed to be your power play specialist, he actually led your team in even strength goals, five on five goals with 15. So not only did you, he make your power play better, but he brought a potency to your five on five play that this team hasn't seen. Now, granted, they were still near the bottom of the league in goals four, but that wasn't without David Perron trying. 15 of his 24 goals came at five on five, and he led your team at that marker. I know he had some cold stretches in there, but in terms of guys you brought in that immediately made a difference, he came in and he played exactly what you signed him to do on any line that you slotted him in on. Would be that top line, second line, or third line, or top power play or second power play. He was... David Perron and I think he, I for me 
I think you can give him that that best newcomer without even questioning it. Yeah, it, it, it was Perron for me as well. The the one that I almost gave it to was uh, Andrew Kopp just because of Ooh, the... Ooh, that's, that's a controversial one. I, I know. And, and, like, again, we, we talked about it a million times over the season. Like, the he got off to a slow start, and I think a lot of people just point to uh, the, the fact that he had the injury and didn't get to participate in uh, in the preseason a lot and whatnot. So, at all, right? Like, the first time he really suited up was, <laughs> was opening night. So, I, I think... Uh, once he kind of got his legs under him, his second half was substantially better, and, and he started winning more faceoffs. He started playing better defense, and his production just points wise went up as well. So um, he cop was kind of in the back of my mind just because again, if it was like flipped and he had a really hot first half, and then the last couple of months were slower, I probably wouldn't view it the same way. So maybe it's just a recency bias thing, but. Um, I, regardless of my opinion of Andrew Cobb's season, I think the answer is pretty comfortably, uh, David Perron. He, he was what second on the team in points. I mean, that's yeah, 56 pretty much points. all. Yeah. Like uh, that's pretty, pretty straightforward there to me. Like you brought somebody in and, uh, the only person that had a higher point total than him was the captain of your team. That's a point of game player. So yeah, yeah I like- think it's, I think it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty easy to say that it is, it is David Perron. I think Oli Mata can be in that conversation as well. Um, Cause you know, as hockey fans, a lot of us tend to focus a lot on point totals. And I mean, it's hard to not point out what David Perron did in his first season with the Detroit Red Wings uh, with 56, but you know, Oli Mata had himself a hell of a season, uh, 20, 23 points as a defensive defenseman. He brought a little bit of an, uh, not like a ton of offense, but more than you were expecting. And then, you know, I know the second half of the season after his pneumonia, he, he battled it out, but the entire team did as well. That first half of the year, he was so much more than advertised on the back end. Defensively, he was just amazing. And I think that if you were going to make an argument for any defenseman to maybe be that best newcomer award, it would have been Olimata. So I want to give Olimata a shout out as well, just because he's such a good player on, on the back end. And I think what we saw in the first half before pneumonia is the player that you can expect to next yeah. year as well. And that's why they signed him to that extension, a much deserved one. But again, also... Dominic Kubalik in terms of you got exactly what you were expecting in Kubalik in terms of like offense and defense. He's a, he's a shoot first guy, but he yeah. gave you 45 points this year, which is way more than I think the Red Wings were expecting to get out of him. Definitely earned his two year contract that the Red Wings gave him last off season. But those are, I mean, they're all honorable mentions. I do think the cop one you you I'm labeling you the Andrew cop truther. That's what I'm doing because, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I would not have put him that high on the list just in terms of, and I know his, obviously his surgery had a lot to do with it. And he did set a career, a career high in assists, but I think that we still have a lot more to see out of Andrew Kopp than what we got this year. So I agree. I agree. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're comfortable throwing Oli Mata in the conversation, then I don't think it's ridiculous to throw Kopp in there too. Okay. That, fair. All is fair. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll do our, we'll do both our most improved players. We have most improved forward and most improved defense. Yeah. So when we come back on locked on red wings, but first I got to talk to you guys today about AG one. As soon as I find the graphic, there it is. Our next partner is a product. You got to use literally every day. Start taking AG one because with one delicious scoop of AG one, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. 
It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. AG1 was founded when the uh, cre- the AG1 was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues, forgive me, and ended up on a com- complicated supplement routine to recover. It costs him $100 a day, while AG1 costs you $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network again. That is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are doing our player awards. And if you heard our first segment, then you'll know that they're not necessarily like best forward, best defenseman. Although this category does have a forward and defenseman aspect to it, ironically enough. We're going to do most improved player on both sides of the puck. Because while we were talking about this, we realized that we have a bit of a forward bias, which is funny because I always claim I have a defenseman bias, but I guess uh, even I am not immune to the effects of point totals. So we decided to break this one up based on forward and defenseman. Scotty, let's lead off with most improved forward. Who in your mind brought more to the game, more to the team this year than you were expecting? So I, I think we do both of these, and I think at the end, really quickly, we try and pick one or the other. Because I feel like forward and defense, like I feel like they're, I don't want to say straightforward, but I, I would find it pressed to f- have a different choice than Michael Rasmussen for forward and Jake Wallman for defense. I know I'm jumping the gun there, but um, like I, I, I think that that's, like that's pretty universal and they both absolutely deserve it. Uh, Michael Rasmussen, obviously a career high in points while only playing in like 55 or 56 games. Uh, He absolutely crushed it. Uh, Was about, well, he was over a half a point a game player, but when he got hurt um, and yeah, finally like really utilized his size, which we had all been kind of clamoring for since he was drafted, to be honest. Um, and yeah, like really solidified himself as a, a bottom six, middle six on this probably current team. And maybe down the road, if the team continues to get better, maybe like a solidified third liner there uh, for this team just really was utilizing his strengths and skills to the best of his ability for the first time in his career. And yeah, it finally just looked like it all clicked and he was absolutely great. And uh, the loss of him was massive, like, like absolutely massive when when he went down with the injury so uh yeah i I think that you're you'll be pressed to find someone who uh who you know there's others that improved for sure it's not like he's the only guy that took a step forward but as far as most improved i think it's it's pretty hard to find somebody that improved more on the forward core than michael rasmussen yeah i mean i that's again not a debate although we should have picked one more controversial so we could fight each other uh but yeah michael rasmussen most improved forward without a doubt like you said he uh broke his career high in just 56 games played he previous high was 27 in 80 he got 29 points in 56 this season and the injury was just the most unfortunate thing because i mean there were reports that 
players in the locker room were lobbying every centers on every line were lobbying yeah. to have Michael Rasmussen as their winger because every single line that he played on, he made better because, and not because of things like his goal scoring ability or, you know, his slick hands and his speed, but because he did the things that every line needs to succeed. He got into the corners. He won the corner battles. He, he was the first man into the offensive zone, chasing down the puck. He went to the front of the net and wasn't afraid, you know, potentially get hit with it as we yeah. saw to, in order to deflect or block a shot defensively. He was very sound as well. This is, he was not afraid to use his size and he does actually have a really good shot too. I don't think people recognize that either. This was the Michael Rasmussen that we were told we were getting when he was taking ninth overall. And I know because he was taken ninth overall, which was, let's be honest, still kind of a reach given the draft position. Um, when he was taken, but when he was drafted, we were told we were getting a, a grinded out player in the corners who will put up good minutes on a middle six. And he like, that's the guy we were told and advertised and that he'd be invaluable to teams because of those intangibles and air quotes. And that's exactly what we got this year. And he was looking, he was going to crush his career high, his previous career high. I mean, 29 and 56, I mean, he was on pace to just like get, he was in pace to probably get like 40 points this season, which is mm -hmm. incredible. Way higher than what he was, what had, what he had been getting. And it's just the way it ended. It was such well, a shame. Even more than that. He, I mean, he was at what he was at almost 30 and played 56. I mean, do we yeah, want to do the proration. Let's do that. I mean, that that's like 45, maybe even pushing 50. He was on pace for 42 points. Sorry, there you sorry. go. I mean, I'm, yeah, I never claimed to be a math major, but like still like over 40 points. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, most improved without a doubt. And this is, this is, we finally got the Michael Rasmussen and we were told we were going to get back all the way in 2017. It just took him a while to get there because like Scotty likes to say, progress isn't linear. Yeah. Yeah, now, absolutely. And then, you know, on the defensive side, I, I don't think there's really even any conversation that it's Jake Wallman. I think that's, one of the bigger slam dunks of this entire thing as well. Um, you know, Cider got way better when he was with Wallman. And, and obviously going into the year, everybody expected kind of a, probably a slightly bigger step forward from Cider than we ended up getting. But uh, yeah, Jake Wallman was like not playing or like was kind of in that third pairing conversation at the beginning of the season. And by the end of the year, he was the bona fide you know, uh, first pairing defenseman with Cider. So, like, I, I don't even think there's really even much of a conversation here. That's a slam dunk. Oh, there's not. It's, I mean, you could make maybe, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you could maybe make a to have a conversation about more at Cider because his defensive game, I thought, improved. Um, and that has a lot to do with, I think, the scheme and what they wanted him to do. Uh, well, his, that's, and that's part of the reason why his production maybe slid back a little bit along with, you know, the pairing stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could have a conversation about Oli Mata, but you know, you didn't, you didn't see him as a hockey player in previous seasons, but this year you definitely got more out of him than you were expecting. But like that, they don't even sniff Jake Wallman. You know, those are like, if you don't have Jake Wallman on your team, then maybe you have to have a conversation about those other guys. I mean, Jake Wallman. And right. I even, I did have that internal conversation is, is this most improved for Jake Wallman or is this what Jake Wallman was and he never had the opportunity to show it type of situation? Cause he always played such sheltered minutes uh, with the St. Louis blues, but regardless, I mean, this was such a, such a deviation from what us as Red Wings fans were expecting. And 
as he worked his way up, his play seemingly improved on each consecutive pairing. And then he got started playing with more cider and it's just like, boom, there wasn't even at the, by the end of the season, there wasn't even a question of whether or not he yeah. is your top pair defenseman. Yeah. So, not even a little bit. And like, that doesn't even get into the conversation of like what he brought offensively, you know, yeah. at the blue line, the stuff we saw more at cider doing last year where like guys would challenge him at the blue line and he would just stand tall and get around the player and set up plays. Jake Wallman was doing the same exact thing. Like the amount of times I'd like start getting nervous because like guys would come <laughs> right at Jake. You like that? And would start coming right at Jake Wallman. I'm like, dude, you're going to cough the puck up. And he would just make a move to get around them. And now because that player is behind yeah, that has he move. Yeah. He that pump fake has he move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's a five on four because that guy's behind you. Yeah. You have, you caught him out of position now. I mean, that he brings that in the offensive zone, but then in the defensive zone, if he gets caught, he's got the speed to get back. I mean, we've talked about this so many times and times again. Jake Wallman, without a doubt, is the most improved player on the defensive side. But you want to try and pick one between the two to be the most improved player? That's going to be really tough. One, because we didn't see an entire season of Michael Rasmussen. But what we saw mm-hmm. in those 56 games was indisputably, like, I wouldn't say electric, but just... What's the, I'm trying to find a word here, an adjective to describe what Michael Rasmussen was. He was a rock, you know, you, he, he was going to make every line he was on better. Yeah. I think that's a good, good descriptor. But Jake Wallman, he was electric. On the other hand, I mean, he, he brought like the exciting element to the game. Oh, I don't want to pick one, dude. I don't like that. I'm going with Wallman. You are. So then, you know what? For the sake of it, I'll say Michael Rasmussen because you want to know why? I was on the Michael Rasmussen hype train before the season started. You were. I said he ended last season so good for the Detroit Red Wings that he, that was him. Like that was who Michael Rasmussen was. It wasn't a flash in the pan. And then he proved it this year. So I'm going to go with Michael Rasmussen since you said Jake Wallman. Love it. All right. So my most improved player, Michael Rasmussen, yours, Jake Wallman. Scotty, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get to our final award, which if you've ever listened to our episodes, you'll laugh when you hear it because it's a very aptly Wait, is that named the last award. one? Really it's the last one. one. Oh, it's the okay. last one we got to give. So stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to give our final award. Scotty, I feel like it's only right that you introduce this one. <laughs> this is the, uh, well, I mean, if we're calling it our name, this is the, uh, the he got that dog in him award. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, yeah, you know, a, a player that all of the the awards, just in general, like awards are for, you know, the the cream of the crop and and people that really show out and, uh, are kind of whatever in the media a lot talked about a lot whatnot and um, yeah we we like to call everybody on this team a dog so uh, yeah we're it was kind of an award of of highlighting someone who maybe did not get the attention of the national media or even the the uh, oh my gosh I just had a complete hey I did it last segment we're all allowed to have it. Not national media, but local. That's the word. Or even local media. Um, <laughs> got a part of that. Uh, so it, it's, it's yeah, just an award to highlight somebody who went out there and, uh, you know, grit and grind that Detroit Detroit grit that uh, that we love to uh, to talk about so much. So. Uh, so do you want to go first or should I? I think you should go first. 
So you just defined it as grit and grind, and I'm gonna take a little bit of a of a a tangent from that. This isn't a grit and grind player in the traditional sense, but a guy who I think at the start of the season we maybe thought was on the outs, you know, like probably was done in a Red Wings uniform. But by the end of the season, we're having a conversation about maybe wanting him back because he brought such an important role to the team. He didn't doesn't get a lot of points, although he doesn't wasn't necessarily not getting points this season. But I this is such a good pick. I'm going to go to Pew Suter. Yeah, dude. That's for, like, he's got that dog in him. Dog. I almost went to Adam Ernie just because of the fact that Adam <laughs> Ernie is literally the dog. Like, he is the definition of the dog. Right? <laughs> well, you took mine. Yeah, Adam dog. Ernie is absolutely my pick. Um, um, we talked about it, what, Friday? Yeah. Did we just talk about it Friday? How, like, you know, he he had to step up and be the physical player on a, like the most physical player on a hockey team. You know how insane mm-hmm. that is? Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie in 2023 had to fill in the role and try to be like a physical presence on a NHL <laughs> level hockey team. And uh was he like, you know, Adam Ernie the enforcer? Absolutely not. But uh when when looking at what this team desperately needed and was trying to find all year Ernie, I, I I think did his darndest, and and I'll I'll be darned if he's not a dog. That is, he is. Uh, I can deny that. <laughs> Adam Ernie is absolutely my pick. Yeah, and I can't blame you because, like like I said, when you look in the the de- dictionary, I could I forgot the word dictionary for a second there. When you look in the Dude, dictionary, we're really having it's a, a great, a great the, the start of the week. Start of the week, man. Yeah. When you start the season, or when you look in the d- dictionary and you look at the definition of dog d-a-w-g it's a picture of adam ernie every single time absolutely um but i went with pew Suter one because i had a gut feeling you were gonna go with adam ernie but also just because you know pew Suter's is another type of player who doesn't get the the love from no, the media pew Suter is a fantastic pick and like he's not gonna go around he's not laying bodies out he's like five foot eleven which is technically undersized for an nhl player he's only 180 pounds he's a tiny guy uh, you know, by NHL standards, but he lays it all on the ice and down the stretch. A lot of the times, whatever line he was centering was one of the few lines on the ice that had like a positive expected goals four percentage at five on five or Corsi four or Fenwick, whatever one of those analytics you like to, you like to stick your hat on, hang your hat on. Pew Suter's line was the one that had the most favorable metrics. I mean, he's such a sound defensive forward that when he's out there, they might not score, but you know you're not getting scored on because he's just such a good player. And by the end of the year, I mean, we started the year talking about how he was probably going to be a healthy scratch more times than not. Last year of his career, Joe Valeno is going to be getting ice time. Michael Rasmussen might be playing center. You have four centers down the middle now. He's the odd man out. Well, by the end of the year, and with the help of some injuries, it was like, okay. He, played over 60 games. Yeah, he's 79 total for him. He Last year, he played all 82. He was one of three players last year to play all 82. This year, he played 79. He's reliable. <laughs> he's defensively sound on a team that doesn't play good defense. And he did have, for what it's worth, 24 points, which is not bad for a um, middle middle or bottom six center. I know last year, he set a career high in points at 36. And this year, technically, was the least amount of points he had in his three-year career. But... 
with that being said, a lot of those points for him came after a lot of injuries happened and he stepped up to the plate and started producing when there wasn't many players left on the team who could produce. So for me, it goes to Pew Suter as my, he's got that dog in him award. And I kind of want to see Pew Suter back as like your bottom, bottom line center. We've been talking, we've had that conversation a lot, man. I I'm fully on the re-signed Pew Suter train. I think he's a, he's a good fit. Well, and you know what? Last offseason, we did the should they stay or should they go topics for both forward and defense. Yeah, we'll and, definitely get to that when, uh, yeah. probably when the cup ends, I'd imagine, because that's when like offseason stuff starts. I guess we can do it before. But. Yeah, our offseason's already off and away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Scotty, that's my pick for, uh, for, he's I love it. Honorable mentions. Oh, it's Matt Love, dog. You love Matt Love. Austin Zarnick, dog. dog. Alex Chase. Robert Chase, Haig, dog. dog. Alex Jason, dog. Taro Hirose. Okay, this now we're just be naming named after Taro Hirose, dog. Now we're just naming this after guys who don't get points, who just don't produce at the NHL level. <laughs> You're uh, a hater, bro. I'm not a hater. A I'm just hater. calling it out. You're an absolute hater. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of, I mean, a lot of honorable mentions of, even though it's again. Oh, I have a new season. award, best gritty award. Okay, well, Jake Wallman's the only player who did the gritty. <laughs> Bang. Uh, and I almost, you know what's funny for, for um, got that dog in him. I almost wanted to just like do a big middle finger to the fan base and pick Philip Zadina. <laughs> I was like, no. Nah. would have hated you. Because yeah, even I don't believe that. But it would have just been fun to like big it. Because I, I obviously, I, there are elements to Philip Zadina's game I've fallen in love with. But I didn't want to do that. Anyways, player guys. you miss most award? Giovanni Smith. Shut up. <laughs> he's still in the playoffs they're not dead yet game seven they're uh, right game seven baby is I'm that pumped. is that sunday night because we're recording yeah yeah people yeah. by the time people are listening to this that game will be over yeah I mean, we, who would have thought before, florida panthers we're recording before seven. that game for us so yeah all right uh guys give us your answer to those awards if you have any other awards that you think we should have said put, put them in the comments and give us your answer uh we'd love to hear your feedback i love reading the comments and seeing what you guys have to say um but yeah, Scotty, Toronto Maple Leafs heading to round two for the first time since 2004. Man, if you if you just had a video of the city of downtown Toronto, you would have thought they won the cup. Okay, I'm gonna say something, and, and you kind of you touched on it there. It is hilarious to me, and I, I get that they haven't done it since 2004. So there's an element of getting the monkey off your back, but it is hilarious to me that a team that is as stacked as the Toronto Maple Leafs, who should be eyeing the Stanley Cup, seem to be content and i i'm not saying like because they got the monkey off their back they're just relieved i've talked to several maple leaf fans who have told me that they got the monkey off their back this year next year's the cup run i'm like no you shouldn't be right now you shouldn't be just content with winning the first round like that's like if the detroit red wings if the detroit red wings made the playoffs that's what we would be content with because that's the team we would recognize we're like the islanders we reckon they recognize that's not a team that was a cup contender yeah. You shouldn't be satisfied with winning in the first round. Like, yeah, you can be happy about it. You haven't done it in so long. But the fact that I'm hearing, like, next year's the real year, it's like, no, this year's the year. You're like, literally <laughs> still in the postseason, dude. <laughs> it's it's crazy. crazy to me. Um, I saw an Onion article headline that's like, NHL fandom mourns the loss of its only joke. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's still been 55 years since the last cup, so not not the have, loss of a uh, joke jokes. at their expense. We've lost one joke, but the other joke is how long it's been since the Canadian teams won the cup. Which was right, 90, we still 90, got that too. Yeah, 93, 94, one of those two years. Yeah, which one it was. Yeah, 
but I just I think it's hilarious with the amount of fans who are just like celebrating this like they like you said like they won the cup. It's like yeah, well, I mean, you sh- this you sh- this is good. This is what you should have been doing for like five years now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the reason that they're celebrating so much. Like if they were. I get it, but at the if same time, if it had been 18 years and like they weren't a playoff team in those 18 years because they were like bad, and then now they're back and they won, like you'd see celebrations, but it'd be like, oh, they were a bad team and now they're a good team. But like they were in the playoffs essentially every year of that drought and just like genuinely couldn't win. Um, so I I do kind of get it, but at the same breath, it is very amusing seeing them like. <laughs> party in the streets like it was a saturday night too which i'm sure didn't help anything but uh just seeing them like really go as crazy as they did for a first round advance in the yeah. biggest postseason in like american sports is really crazy <laughs> on the other side it's crazy watching tampa go from three straight stanley cup finals to being ousted in the first round but i guess again i mean they were playing the maple leafs and that's not an easy matchup so i can no, I understand well, and, it and, I and um they i mean they they've played a lot of hockey. This was actually a point brought up by um, there's a hockey podcast I listened to called the late arrivals podcast. And they were talking about like the, when you look at their seasons, they've had the longest last three years in the sport. Oh yeah. Cause they play it to the cup every year. They've had the shortest, the, the least amount of downtime, the shortest off seasons. That roster is not like young anymore. Um, it, it's just, I'm not saying they like, you know, that's it. And they just like ran out of gas and that was it. They still played, the Maple Leafs tough and whatnot. That's still a great roster. But I mean, when, when you look over the last three years, no one has played more hockey and had less downtime than yeah. the Tampa Bay lightning. So you knew that it was kind of, uh, kind of good and not running on fumes, but like probably the end was near. doesn't help that alone exposes Vasilevsky's weakness on national television. Yeah. Yeah. That for was, real. That was really funny. And then Cooper's like, Oh, he's just making things up. I'm like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Is that is that true? Uh, but it, regardless, uh, I do think there's an episode to be had in the future too. Um, if we're just, like, I hope so. Uh, about the Winnipeg Jets because yeah. and Prashanth brought this up the the Connor Kyle Connor situation, but just in general, I mean, people have been saying for a long time like this was the make or break year for that roster. Like this is either the year yeah, they, they decide to go all in or they blow it up. And based on post prep postseason yeah there's some, some comments made by staff and uh and management alike yeah yeah there's not a lot of happy faces in that locker room so i think you could see some big changes and if so red wing should maybe jump on some of that if they want to really improve this roster because that team has some that team has some players absolutely so that's a topic for a future episode as well so stay tuned we'll probably get back to player grades tomorrow but same time right scotty oh wait first i'm sorry we ball we ball same time. So does Tyra Horosi. Your team every day. Every day.